Hello and welcome to This is Ibrooks, the Rangers podcast. I'm Martin Douglas and joining me tonight we have the returning Scott Patterson. Scott, mate, it's been a, a couple of weeks. How you been? Very well, thank you. Yes, a wee week away to refresh and recharge and whatever other words beginning with re mean. Uh, so yeah, decent break away. Good to get away for you guys for a week as well. Ah, that's a bit harsh. That's a bit harsh. Tommy as well, you've been away for a couple of weeks, but last week you were meant to be on and you had a wee last minute emergency. I did, yes, uh, but thankfully all in the past now. Delighted to be back in my usual chair. And Wally, mate, I would introduce you, but we see you every week, so I'll swiftly move on. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, the podcast is available on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash this is iBrooks. If you are watching on YouTube, we would be very grateful if you could hit that subscribe button and the like button if you're enjoying the pods. Also available on thisisibrooks.co.uk along with some writing with some blogs and some articles and some match previews and post-match analysis. It's also available to download on a multitude of podcast platforms. Do, 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 Scott. Podbean, <laughs> Acast, Spotify, and some other ones that you're going to help us out with. Acast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Google Podcasts. Apparently now we're also available on Amazon Music. That's right, we are. Yep, we are. Absolutely. I didn't know there was an Amazon Music, but there you go. And also, just before we start, a quick congratulations to the Rangers women's team who thumped Hearts 5-1 in the opening. Good start for them. Yep. Yep. May that type of form continue? So, gentlemen, where should we start? (laughs) It's been a quiet weekend. It has. Dead. Hee-haw happening. Right, now, Wally, I believe you said to us that during the old forum game you were going to go for a walk because you'd rather be there and you didn't like to watch it on TV. Now, see if we're all being brutally honest, no pun intended, that was a walk in the park, wasn't it? Well, I, when I eventually get back home and I saw the game, it was. <laughs> um, yeah, I went for a walk in the park. That's actually where I went. I went for a walk. Um, and I had, like, you know, just... It's weird that you don't expect that kind of performance in a game like that. You know, you always expect much more intensity and you know a lot more tackles and a lot more tenacity. But in all honesty, I didn't really feel as though we got out of first, second gear. Felt like there was a lot of control in the game. The only opportunities that they really created were our mistakes, um, and even obviously when. When you look at the breakdown of the two goals, they're obviously disappointing from their point of view. From our point of view, it's a great delivery for Tav. You know, Connor keeps himself just onside. Lovely wee flick header. Second goal, yet again, you know, some lovely quick footwork. Kamara, Arfield, Morelos, and yet again, Goldson. I mean, Sandy, whatever it is, eight yards out, manages to toe poke it in. And I've got to say, I don't, I don't even think it, at 2-0, even knowing that that was the final score when you're watching the match, you expect Celtic to come out and have a bit of a go, but it never really like sort of materialised. You know, they never really did anything. That wee chance later on for Griffiths when he got behind Hellander, but then straight away Hellander was in behind McGregor and they cut off the shot. It was, it was a bizarre game. Mm-hmm. Maybe not having the crowd potentially is part of that, but 
yeah, I think that's right up there as, as comfortable a Rangers victory as I've seen at Parkhead in, for a long, long, long time. And Scott, while I just mentioned that there are no crowds, how did you find watching the game with no crowd? It was really bizarre, wasn't it? I mean, I think anyone who's watching the game, I think these days, I say these days, obviously, since the, the season restarted, watching football, any game out with the SPL as well, I have to say, watching it without any fans in there is really strange. I'll get another example was maybe the Spurs West Ham game at the weekend when there's no doubt that when Lanzini puts that one in the top corner at the death, literally at the death, the stadium would go bonkers. West Ham end particularly, Spurs end would be raging as well. But to watch our game at the weekend without any fans there, when historically it is probably quite a noisy atmosphere for these guys to, to go and try and get their head locked in and, and do all the things that we expect them to do. It must be really bizarre to go there and literally hear the guy, maybe on another flank, shouting across to you, whereas before it just wouldn't have happened at all. So, yeah, strange to watch the game without anyone there. Absolutely. I know it was, it was weird, Tommy. Do you think it affected the game at all? Do you think it affected Celtic's performance? Possibly. I think it, you know, it, was, it was very eerie. Um, mm. In terms of, I think the guys have touched on that, so I'm, I'm trying not to duplicate any answers this week. Hmm. Yeah, it probably would have had a little bit of a, an impact in that there isn't the noise, there isn't that driving spur. I think if it affected one team, it probably affected Celtic more than Rangers. Uh, Rangers seem to turn up. I think a lot's been made of the fact they did their homework. Um, they got down, they, they implemented their game plan, they forced that onto Celtic and they just carried on the game, so I, I think if it did have an impact, it impacted um, Celtic players more who, you know, seemed like they just couldn't, um, and bear with me on this, they couldn't raise their game, the other part of that being I don't think they were allowed to raise their game, totally. um, I think we just got them by, the, by the, the scruff of the neck right from the first whistle, and it was quite clear that it was, Celtic were to get anything, it would have been a mistake from us as opposed to them cutting it apart, it just, it just wasn't there from them. And I don't buy all the nonsense that we'll probably talk on a wee bit about, you know, depleted teams and all that. Spare me, please. Um, so, yeah, but yeah, if, if anybody was affected, it was the it was the Celtic team. Um, I mean, I don't know what their usual attendance is anyway, but I, I hear that they, they fill the place for, a, for a, an old firm game, um, as opposed to the, the usual week-in and week-out draws that they see. So, yeah, but um, certainly didn't affect us. Tommy mentioned it there, he's disappeared off for a wee cheeky cup of tea, but this depleted team nonsense, um, they had a team full of internationals, they brung £10 million off the bench, they had a right-back to scream about, a centre-back to scream about, a £16 million player up front, it's a lot of nonsense. Yeah, look, I was quite surprised when you know the people were talking about that even before the game, I mean, I kind of tweeted it out that, see every game that you play, Rangers or Celtic, there's always players missing whether it's injuries, suspensions, obviously COVID has caused some problems, but at the end of the day, it's going to cause the same issue to every team over the season. It's just about getting on with it. You know, I mean, yesterday, I'm pretty sure that if everybody was fit, you know, that Roof and Aribo would have started for Rangers. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think anybody could argue that. Um, so I don't really get the whole depleted squad thing. Celtic have got a massive squad of players, many of them on a lot of money. Um Many of them are full internationals, so it's not like one guy's dropping out and the next guy comes in as a lesser quality to an extent. So I'm not really getting the argument on that side. And to be honest, I never heard anybody complain when we were going to Parkhead with Philip Senderos and <laughs> Rob Kiernan and Jason Holt and 
So it just seems like an excuse to me. So I don't, I don't accept that that's a reason for for losing a football match. At the end of the day, the eleven guys out in that pitch were more than good enough to to put in a performance and potentially beat Rangers. But at the end of the day, you know, um, our eleven was just better on the day, and it never really felt like Celtic really get going at any particular point. So rather than talking about the depleted squad, maybe they should talk about the guys that were on the pitch that probably didn't do enough to get anything out of the game. Anybody who indulges in the squad conversation is probably too short of a capacity crowd. It's probably the best way to put it. And uh, it's a nonsensical um, position to take. There is a, You've rained off the numbers there, so I'm not going to go back to that. But certainly have a particularly expensive squad put together expensively with an expensive and probably the important part behind that is an expensive wage bill. Double uh, levels. You know, and there's a couple of loan players in there. Um, it's definitely larger than anybody else in Scotland. And so the whole point of that is supposed to be that they have a bench to go to. And they went to that bench. And it didn't it didn't work in terms of there was nobody on the, the pitch in a, in a Celtic jersey who you would say played particularly well or who showed up. And this has been a bit of a recurring theme for Celtic in terms of this, the start of this season. I don't read everything into one game. Nobody mm. should. And at the end of the day, it's only three points and all that kind of good stuff. Um, but, you know, the, there was nobody that turned up for Celtic. And that would probably be the worry. Um, and I think Celtic fans have probably turned on, on uh, their team and their manager a little bit, but that's for them. Um, yeah. That was supposed to be a squad that could dictate to anybody in Scotland, even in second gear. And by and large, they have dictated to Scotland for the past nine years and all that kind of stuff. But there's a recurring theme now over the past season, about two seasons, which is, by and large, it's a, it's a toying course when it comes to the old firm games. And actually, the ones that we've lost, you would probably say that we could have been right in there as well. Celtic don't get their own way in this game even when it's their full strength team and when they go to the bench which is supposed to be superior as well they were found really 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 lacking um, but that, that's not to diminish the point that you're making there which is anybody who indulges in always oh, a second string therefore you know Celtic reserves or anything like I think some washed up pundits said, said um, anybody who, who indulges in that is probably slightly fanciful peering through green tinted specs and should probably just lay off the social media for a few weeks I know, and by the way, it's the one and only time you're ever going to hear me say it on this podcast. Well done, Michael Stewart. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but Scott, listen, moving back on to us, because that's what we're here to talk about. Yep. Now, before we go into the individual performances, you know, I want to speak a bit about Glenn Kamara, Conor Goldson, Hollander. I want to speak to you about Alfredo Morelos. Now, yep. don't get me wrong, I thought there was certain parts of the game. His link-up play was nice. His, the one-touch passing was lovely. But just towards the end of that first half, we just started to see the old Alfie just about to peer through the window, you know, and that slap on the back of Scott Brown's head, as hilarious as what that was, that could have cost us. I, I, I think it would have been something that, I think if we had, we had supporters in the ground, um, that would have worked against Alfredo, to be perfectly honest with you. It was a wee bit petulant on, on his part. Um, I'd I've not seen, and Sky's coverage certainly, I don't think, covered um, Brown having a wee dig at Barisic about mm-hmm. 10 seconds prior to Morelos clipping him around the ear for his cheek. Um, I personally, I, I agree with you to a certain extent. I do think there, w- there was 
that sort of sign that Morelos was just getting a wee bit hit up and half time probably came a good time so he could go in, chill out. Maybe you'll find a couple of the more older pros in the dressing rooms are having a wee word in his ear to say, listen, calm down. We're in a good place. We've got 45 minutes to see the game out. We need you on the pitch, there or thereabouts. I thought he played okay at the weekend. Um, perhaps disappointed not to to get on the on the score sheet again. That's going to be a monkey on his back for as as, as long as he doesn't. And that's just the way of it. Um, but I thought it was okay. But yeah, the 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 wee slap um, on the on the ear um, for Scott Brown probably wasn't too clever. Um, but it is what it is. It's past now. It's gone. S- some cracking videos made it though. I must admit. Some very but, good, very good. But, but well, what worries me is is that was a game that we were in complete control of and never looked like losing. And I think one of the big problems with Alfie is, especially in an old forum game, is I don't think he can handle the pressure, and that's without uh, without supporters. Sorry. I just look at it from the point of view that Celtic were trying to get back in the game, and therefore the best way of doing that was trying to get Morello sent off. Hmm. You know, we can see at the end of every time that he's come up against their back two, back three, whatever it's been, they can't control him. I mean, Duffy tried and Duffy couldn't. I mean, a couple of times Duffy tried to come right through him and Alfie just stood up as though, is that the best you've got? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, this was supposed to be this tough guy coming in for DPL that was going to bully him, that was going to be too strong for him. I didn't see it. And it felt like, almost like... A, you know, the team got together to look, let's try and rail Morelos, let's try and get him in the book here, let's try and get him rolling. Because obviously, I think Brown had a couple of little niggles at him, and then obviously Alfie, I think, picked up the ball or something like that happened. And then they seemed to have a wee swear at each other. And then in the way back, as you say, Scott, it looked like Brown actually kind of raised his arm and smashed Barisic in the, in the side of the face. And at that kind of same time, Morelos went on and slapped him in the back of the ear. But that's the thing, like, see, like, in these games, so much goes on. You would need, like, ten pairs of eyes to see some of the things that go on in the pitch. You know, and I think one of the things that stood out for me is, you know, you hear a lot of the things getting said in the pitch, like they're swearing at each other. <laughs> like, you taunts going on during the match. And see, at the end of the day, that's part of that game. 99% of the time, you would never hear that. Mm-hmm. Because the noise inside the stadium blurs all that out. Yeah. But I enjoy it. And see, at the end of the day, Scott Brown's gave it out for many years now, taunting... You know, Joey Martin and trying to taunt Andy Halliday. He doesn't like it when it happens to him. He doesn't like it when Arfield stood and did that to him at Ibrooks. You know, see, at the end of the day, if you're going to hand it out, accept it back. And if anything comes out, if you slap them in the back of the heel, the ringer should just be laughing about it because it's enough of an incident. So, Tommy, the, the first goal for Connor Goldson, it was a, a brilliant cross in by Tav and a decent header, but the goalkeeper was really poor and should have saved it. What was your, your thoughts on the first goal? Yeah, I was, it's hard to describe your explanation there, um, or your lead-up, I should say. Decent ball whipped in. Uh, Goldson beats the offside trap. I think Duffy's the one that plays him on. Duffy uh, continually put Duff into, <laughs> into the game, it has to be said. Uh, yeah, decent, decent kind of glancing header. Barkas, I think, is the goalkeeper, four and a half million. Doesn't cover himself in glory. I think that was picked up in the commentary as well. And he kind of pushes it into the net a wee bit. Definitely a save in there somewhere. Although that keeper didn't cover himself in any glory throughout the game, in my opinion. Uh, it looks a bit shaky. But yeah, I thought I thought Goldson's movement was pretty good. There was also, there's obviously previously one would expect being 
some training ground work on that, go from an offside position, come back in at the last minute, and it's really well timed. You know, they spent a lot of time showing it on the replays as well. You know, just as Tav's hitting that, goes and folds back in, uh, and then by the time I think it's Duffy realizes it's Goldson that's come back on, and you see Duffy trying to go up. I think there's maybe four men in front of him, and he tries to get round. And he's the first person behind Goldson, but by that point it's too late and it's in the back of the net. And by and large, it was symptomatic of of the game where Rangers were just half a yard in front of Celtic physically and mentally from the first whistle to the final whistle, actually. Probably a good example of it. Um, but yeah, really well taken header. And I suppose having been one of those people that gripes about Connor Goldson sometimes and the fact he always gets to headers, but none of them go on target. Um, Kamalak notwithstanding, obviously. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll eat some humble, humble pie there. If he's the type of centre-back that's not going to score for a while and then pop up with two in an old firm game, winners, I, I, will, happily, I, I will happily get on board the Connor Colson train <laughs> with that particular one. Aye, aye good, good header. Nice to see. Nice to see us winning that type of thing in the box as well because you know um, Celtic have been pretty decent in that area for a long time and it looks as though you know, we know Katic, who would step up? Well, you said it importantly, a centre-back. So, Scott, from the second phase of a corner, when everybody's trying to get back into position, what's Connor Goldson doing just walking about the six-yard box? I know. Listen, it was, it was, it was remarkable to sort of still see him hanging around. We've we done really well, as you say, to keep the, sort of, the second phase going. Um, and he probably just seen an opportunity to think, you know, if, if any of these guys out on the right side fire one in here, in the air, I'm hanging around just in the off chance. Little did we expect it would arrive at his feet. Um, and I think it, there was a quite a, a clever angle that Sky showed from, from behind the goal and he actually places it through Shane Duffy's legs. Mm-hmm. Entirely intentional. Um, there was nothing fluky or toe-pokey or anything like that around it. He knew exactly what he was doing. Um, placed it perfectly. And listen, Tommy's absolutely right. If if Connor Goldson's next goals come in January at Ibrox in the same fixture, I'll be absolutely delighted with that. I know somebody told me that actually Shane Duffy's only 28. And see when that second goal went in, it looked as if it took him about half a year to get back up half a deck. <laughs> but however, that was just something I've seen. But well, I'm going to talk to him about Glenn Kamara because it's a wee bit of a running joke, but I slated him once after he played quite well, right? So we'll just get that out of the road. But I thought he was absolutely phenomenal against Celtic. And also, he was actually, I know Goldson got his two goals and he'd done well defensively, but he was my man of the match. I think most people probably know I'm a fan of Glenn's. I mean, anybody that's listened to me, Faith and I did the first podcast with you guys, just think he's a terrific technical footballer. You know, you watch, he's, he's almost like a dancer at times on the pitch. You know, he's... His feet are so quick. He reads the game so well. His movement's good. And he's just got that football brain, you know, that makes it so difficult to try and pick him up. I just think he's a, he's a fabulous footballer. And, you know, I'm glad that there's been talk about him getting a new contract because that then protects the club. Because I think next summer we're going to be in for a, for a hell of a battle to keep a hold of him. You know, he goes to a major championships with Finland. We're going to struggle to hold on to him because I just think Glenn will do well against any top mm-hmm. team. You know, if it's Italy, if it was Spain, Germany, Holland, he's not going to look out of place against these teams. You know, he's a very, very talented footballer. And I'm glad that after this time, more people are starting to see that. You know, I thought our midfield three were excellent. 
you know, we never really lost anything at all. Stephen Davis, I think, I mean, I know some people posted that Greg Kamara was wearing these slippers. I think Stephen Davis had these slippers on as well. I mean, Stephen's just so casual, but he's just that good. And whatever he is, 35, 36. I mean, as long as Stephen can still run, I would just keep getting Stephen contracts because he's just, he's just such a wonderful technical footballer as well. Just still on uh, Kamara, Tommy. Now, I know that he, there's a few people that don't like the way he plays because he looks slow. You know, sometimes he is guilty of playing a, a short hospital ball. But when he plays like that, he's right up there with, with one of our best midfielders because I thought he was sensational. He's passing, his movement, constantly putting it through Scott Brown's legs. He was, like Wally says, he was brilliant. He was phenomenal. Yeah, and there's a couple of things in there, so I'll quickly try and unpack them, which is nobody, nobody should doubt that Glenn Kamara is a very, very good footballer and that he had an absolute standout game um, at the weekend. I, I agree as well. You know, everybody looks to Conor Goldson as man of the match. I think Glenn's got a right good, a right good claim here. And I'm, I'm doubly delighted that we'll cycle through an answer on the half and nobody said 50 grand yet. Oh, Christ. <laughs> so quickly over that, um, into I think people who maybe say to themselves, oh, he looks a bit, you know, well, let me take the first part um, there, which is any player can have a bad game or play a bad pass, right? Even the greats, right? Um, even me. Uh, every now and again at the sevens, sometimes I'll roll it right at the park. Um, get Shane Duffy still, um, you know, just launch it. Anyway, so that can happen. Um, but people who think that maybe he's slow don't actually really watch him because he covers the ground extremely quickly and extremely smartly. And actually, he's got a really, I think, maybe McCoy store, give him his due, Andy Walker, um, who said during the commentary that they nailed it. He's got a very graceful style. He does. He's got a really graceful gait. The head's up. He knows exactly what he's doing. The way he moves his body with the ball lets the lets the ball do the work. Um, he's a top top player. That's you know I agree with Willie's um, assessment there as well. He could play anywhere. He, he immediately the only thing that was missing or is still missing from Glenn Kamara is consistency. Mm-hmm. He does that for you know. The next 10 games, if he's in, and you know, I appreciate that sometimes the rotation hasn't really helped him, right? But if he can do that and cement his place in there when you've got you know, Aribo coming back, Jack's coming back, Zungu in there as well, so it's a bit of a battle for, for what it is. But if he can get the consistency, he's a, aye, he's a stick on every week for me. The he immediately, just to bookend that, then he immediately goes into. A specific column when you're talking about coming into the summer and all that, and that you get players in the squad and you've got all that good stuff. He's an asset, mm-hmm. he's a bona fide asset, and yeah. that people will come call him. It's just as simple as that. And then it's a case of eventually how much can Rangers get, right? And the money that we paid for him aside, right? Because it's so low that it shouldn't be the barometer. We will get a legitimately high amount of money for Glenn Kamara when yeah. he eventually leaves the club. And as William was referencing there as well, tying them down to a wider contract shows you know um, three quick things. One, we believe in him. Two, if you come to Rangers and you do well, you will get financially rewarded. Um, you know, Morelos being another case in point because the management will back you. And then three, we get more money at the, the bookend. The whole Glenn Kamara story is nothing but positive right now. And uh, picked him up in Scotland. We picked him up for nothing, pretty much. He's performing really well. You can see him going and making the money, uh, the club, lots of money. 
there you go. There's your business model and a very, very quick snapshot. And long may that type of stuff continue. Great play to watch as well. Just off the ball too. Just if you get, uh, just lovely to watch. Lovely. Aye, for me, Glenn Kamara can go on and be as good as he wants. He's got that 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 kind of ability. But Scott, I don't want to be negative because listen, this is supposed to be a happy pod. We've just thumped Celtic in their own midden. Brandon Barker. Yep. He was put in at the start. There was a few people saying, well, I might have put Jones in there. Hadji, obviously. He tried. It didn't really come off from him. He didn't really have the best game, did he? I think it, well, you know, I think it works both ways. I think if you were to, to look at the the team, I think out of the... We made a couple of subs, so maybe out of the, the 13, 14 um, that were involved on the day, Barker was probably a 6 out of 10. Because I'll tell you one thing, he played a wonderful through ball yeah. to Ryan Kent. And if Ryan Kent goes through and scores, um, Brian, Brandon Barker is absolutely lauded for what is a wonderful through ball as an assist. So I think what you've got with Brandon Barker is the, the classic case of a player who is trying things that are almost not coming off and they just look a wee bit untidy. And I think he's he's very much the victim of... He's had a few bad games. He's not been this that bad this season, I have to say, but it's still not coming off for him. Mm-hmm. So, sometime or another, it's either going to come off for him, and everyone's going to be praising him to the to the high heavens, or um, the experiment's going to take a wee rest, and you'll see guys like Yanis um, Hadji become more of a a, a starter. Um, there's an argument for that right now, frankly, considering how. Um, useful he's been since the season started however I think that to, I, I didn't think he had a particularly great game I didn't think he was poor either to be perfectly honest with you Well just on that Tommy I'll come back to you, the overall team performance for me is a strange one because I don't think we played outstanding, I thought we played well we controlled the game but we never really looked like we came out of first gear, never mind second How refreshing is that? Mm. It would be my counterpoint you know, that's not a there. criticism, by the way. That's just no, a... no. I absolutely, I absolutely know it isn't, uh, Martin. It was just a chance for me to, to to just say that really back, and it's a nice thing to to say right back. So I, I know you feel the exact same way on that. But how refreshing to mm. come out of a a win at um at their place, um, <laughs> and keep it another clean sheet. Um, we saw a wonderful start actually which may or may not be true I'll have to double check but it would be good to cycle it uh, to it at some point during this conversation um, but yeah a clean sheet and then say actually do you know what I mean anybody that says that we aren't worried before the game or during it I'm going to challenge that right I've never went into any old firm game no matter what the score is and I, and I don't worry I mean we've been 3-0 up and stuff like that with five minutes to go and I'm, I'm still a bit worried because you know the worst thing could ever happen right till the final I was saying before the game I only really enjoy them when we've won, and I, I know I'm going to watch it back. That's yeah. the that's the only you know. Right? So God knows what it's like to play in them or, or managing them, right? Anyway, neither neither here nor there because I think that chance has passed for me now. Uh, although if Stevie G's watching and he you know he wants somebody to come in and make the tea, then uh, I'm happy to do it. Um, so I, but how how refreshing to see we kind of boss that mm-hmm. and legitimately be able to say not blue tinted specs, but legitimately legitimately be able to say. Didn't really care a second gear. We set our shape. We were really disciplined. Everybody knew their job and had the quality to do that job. Back to the squad stuff. Um, how to build a squad on relatively low money compared to your, your nearest rivals who were a hundred million pounds out of out of sight. 
uh, and you know over the hills and all that and then go actually okay let's double check were we ever really in trouble and i think maybe yourself martin referenced earlier the only time that celtic looked dangerous to me was when griffiths came on i think he's you know he is a dangerous player and he's a really good finisher yeah. with no doubts for that um would they be slightly more dangerous if they had guys you know like edward of course Austin edward's a really good player he's a good striker but yeah you, you know you're, you're looking at it afterwards and you're thinking legitimately boast that without actually like blood and thunder that it was just a case of a professional performance from Rangers, and I think that's the real difference these days. It's a professional performance. If we don't get sucked into things and we let the ball do the work, can we let our talent do the work? Can we stick to the formation? There's not many teams that will make us look silly. Um, in, in all honesty, so yeah, long way that type of uh, old firm continue. I'd like to be like Glenn Kamara and Stephen Davis. I'd like to be able to watch the old firm in my slippers. And, uh, and and no bit too worried about stuff. Um, aye, that's that's perfect. A nice, easy, quiet Saturday. I'll, I'll take that every day. Well, do you know something? I when I was watching the game, right up until the final whistle went, because I am a pessimistic Rangers supporter. It's just my nature. I was panicking, and then I sat down the other night to watch the game back for this podcast, and I got to half time, and I went, "What the hell? Why was I worried?" I think um, as well though, Martin, these, these games are, are kind of, they're remembered for a variety of different reasons for as, as back as I, for as long as I can go back thinking about games, you know. And that's a long way. Exactly. Well, whether, <laughs> whether it's the, the sort of, Jock Brown's sort of um, commentary as, as Ray Wilkins thrashes his volley in the top corner, um, Davy Cooper's wee flick in Ian Durant as he's going right in in the Copeland to slip one by um, Packy Bonner the, the times when things weren't that great Miles Beardman bringing down a guy at Ibrox for a penalty early doors mm. Andy Halliday getting really shot on at Hamden but then having the opportunity to celebrate in front of the Copeland not that long after Glenn Kamara done something at the weekend which I thought was really spectacular and we'll look back on it I think at the game at the weekend is a real turning point in our season there was a moment in the second half where we were about halfway through and Glenn Kamara played a really, really clever reverse pass, and he took out maybe about three or four Aye. of the Celtic players. And Ryan Jackie, all people, was as advanced up the pitch out of the three midfielders they had to be, and he was breaking. And you know, I thought, isn't it great to watch us go to Celtic Park and just manage the game absolutely properly, manage the game as we as supporters expect the game to be managed. When we didn't have the game, when we didn't have the ball we were in charge. When we had the ball, we were in charge. They never had an answer for anything we'd done at the weekend. And I'm glad we've, we've sort of focused on Kamara this week because there's no question that he was a huge part of our success at the weekend. Yeah. And listen, we can... just, sorry, Martin, if I can just labour that point for a, a wee second because it's a really good really good example. We spoke about Glenn Kamara earlier. spoke about him there. He's a really good analogy for the team. Right? Absolute quality in there the ability to boss anybody in Scotland and beyond, right? We've seen some of the European games. And we know that's there. If Rangers can, and you know, Kamara and all that can get consistency, we'll be in there at the top come the end of the season. That's what this Rangers team just need to show. Yeah. A long stretch of consistency. And I know people will say, well, that's the first block of fixtures there, Tommy. And you know, even if Celtic win the game in hand, we're still top. Absolutely get that on board. And it's all about steps. Put the consistency into that model. And you've got silverware. It's as simple as that. You know, Rangers wouldn't end the season without anything. But we all know what we want to end the season with. Um, and that's where the consistency comes in. You know, it's unquestionable that Rangers have a squad and a team that can boss anybody in Scotland. 
and they do it with the football, not mm-hmm. hammer throwing. Just need to get that consistency model. Simple as that. And look, listen, we could go in and talk about Hollander, who again, I thought had an excellent game. Ryan Kent didn't have to be his sparkling best, but when it mattered, the one, two, then it changes. It was all, it was brilliant. But listen, we've seen this in the last, I would say, three, possibly four old firm games. Obviously, one was a League Cup final where we lost to a 10 yard offside goal. But we've got we've got one up on Celtic now. We are the be- we are a better team than Celtic, and I think while Stephen Gerrard has shown, especially in that game on Saturday, that he's really upped his management and the the way he uses tactics and substitutions. So, my main question for you is: see, going forward now, is it about what we do against the smaller teams? Because if we're being honest with ourselves, that's where the league was lost last season. It wasn't against Celtic. Yeah, I think that's basically the only problem. You know, we do seem to have more slip-ups than what Celtic do against other teams. You know, that has been the biggest issue for the last couple of years. I think in particular now, there certainly isn't any fear about playing Celtic. No. You know, to go to Parkhead and win the last two games, I mean, that's kind of unheard of even in like my time watching Rangers. And, you know, that's going back like probably 20 plus years ago. You know, so it shows you the manager knows what has to be done in these games. We've got... Michael Beale, who's a very good coach, who tactically is very aware. There's Tom Kilshaw, who seems to do a lot of the set pieces, something we've improved on drastically over the last kind of 12, 18 months. I mean, you look at the goals we score from set plays now, you know, and a, a lot of that's down to the work that goes on behind the scenes. Um, and it's something that, at the end of the day, in Europe as well, that's a massive part of the game. I, like, I would just like to go back to a wee tiny thing about Brandon Barker. When the team was set up to counter-attack, and that's why Brandon was in the team with Kent, we didn't have to counter-attack. <laughs> because we were in that much control of the game, we didn't have to do it. So I sort of felt sorry for Brandon. Maybe he was a little bit not used in how we expected to use him. And that's maybe a little bit harsh on the kid that maybe there's a wee bit of criticism on his performance. But you know what? If somebody had offered this tournament before the game and... They had no shots on goal, and we never really looked under a huge amount of pressure. I think pretty much all is would have walked away smiling and thinking, yeah, we'll probably take that. So I think overall, it's a good win. Comfortable. Everybody get everything right on the day. And, you know, we move on to Thursday night against what's going to be a good quality opposition, something different, but a good quality opposition. Scott, is there a different feeling to this Rangers team this season with regards to being able to break down the smaller, the, excuse me, the smaller teams, and be able to get the job done. Is there just a different feeling about it this year? Um, I don't know. To be honest with you, I, I think, I think once we get shortly December and maybe early January out the road, I, I still think we have that shortly hanging over us. The the sort of the the nightmares of of the last couple of seasons, I, I still think will hang over us until we get through January. To be honest with you, what I would say is that. I think we've got a, as strong a team as as we have had recently. I think Gerard has has built a really really strong squad. I I, I think it was Willie Boyd actually said to us in our group chat over the weekend how how strong the bench looked at the mm-hmm. weekend, and that's without guys like Roof Zunga still to come in as well. So we're only adding quality to to a, a big good squad, and we're going to be playing in various different levels probably weekend Thursday, weekend Thursday for the foreseeable future. Um, so we're going to need that. We're going to need to have quality in there. Um, I sense a change. I think there's more of a, 
a confidence among um, the supporters in the team now. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't quite put my finger on why. I don't know if it's because we feel we have more... more Historically, we've only had Morelos as a main striker and Defoe as, as, a, as a second option. We now have options there. Um, and I just think our squad looks better. I, I think generally there's a better feel. And I think I said before, at the start of the season, Stephen Gerrard is, is speaking a little more differently now, I find. I, I find when he's given his interviews, he, he's, he's a bit more ballsy. I think he, he's got wise to, to the sort of narrative up here as far as Rangers is concerned. It's taken him maybe three years to get there, but I think he's got there now. Um, he knows he has to win something this year. He, he, he has to win something this year. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And starting with the league would be would be a pleasant um, pleasant present for all of us come May next year. And just before I move on, Tommy, because I've, I've spent a lot more on this than what I, I thought I would. Have you got anything to add on that? Okay. Because well, I could that, see your face it. there. I could see the wheels turning in the head. Uh, that, that's just because I'm old uh, and I'm not, <laughs> I'm not as sharp as I used to be, to be honest with you. Um, well, given that setup, I'll try and be really quick, which is just two quick things. One, uh, and it has to be said, I think, uh, and uh, all those things that the guys have said is absolutely spot on. Means they've migrated into a bit of maturity and that you get that sense from them as well. But there's also a wee feeling of desperation about Celtic at the moment. Mm-hmm. They're not, um, it feels like they're coming to an end of a, a cycle, if you know what I mean. And I hate that terminology, but they look like they're just getting by and then they came up against a decent, really decent team in Rangers and they were made to look really, really ordinary. Really ordinary. And you think, oh, maybe other people might smell that blood and, and you know try and get something against them. They'll probably go on a 20-game unbeaten run now that I've said that, <laughs> but um, there we are. And blame the Tommy. final thing, uh, yeah, which will well, well, end in... It'll end Hashtag in, uh, blame Tommy. Like, well, why not? Uh, why me? I just do a spill it off. But I, I think Scott's right as well. There, that uh, you know, January the first to probably mid-Feb, really important time period for Rangers. Um, and I would say the first two games back in that January period are really, really important. And then the very final thing, which isn't related to that, but to, since everybody else has had a crack at Brandon Barker, I'm going to take a crack at Brandon Barker, and that he is. Uh, I was trying to think of an analogy uh, or a, to it, which is the problem with Brandon in that he's very, very young and there's obviously talent in there because the you know the manager keeps picking him. And I get your point, Willie. It's well, it's well made in terms of they were set up to counter-attack, to feel Celtic out initially and see where the line would be um, and didn't play to his strength. But he's now that... he's I think he's now in that position whereby one of your mates says a chippy is terrible you might still give it a go, particularly if you're drunk. If two of your mates say it's terrible and one of them get food poisoning, you probably won't bother. And I sense that now two people, two of your mates have said Brandon Barker's mince, if you know what I mean. And he's now slipped into that. Can he ever really recover his reputation with the Rangers support? Um, it's a clunky analogy, I, I, I grant you, but it's the best I can come up with the short notes. So... I, I'm not entirely sure out with of a stunning, stunning, stunning performance consistently that Brandon Barker will ever get back on the back on the good side of the ledger. It's always good to fir- finish an old forum post match on a positive note. And I hate you saying that. Even if he clips it short, I still hate it. Right. <laughs> but, but right, listen, gents, let's let's move on. And Tommy, this was something that happened a couple of weeks ago that I wanted to bring up, but then you phoned in sick. There's obviously been yeah. fresh investment brought into Rangers by Stuart Gibson. Uh, who is he? 
Well, I was thinking about, uh, I know you were going to answer, uh, ask me this question because uh, I, I do come out of cold storage every now and again to, to answer texts and stuff like that. So I was thinking about how best to answer this and go you know, wider you know, uh, information about um, ESR, who are a commercial property company that Stuart Gibson co-founded. They're based in mainland China and Japan. Um, they're listed on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange and stuff like that as well. But then I thought, and so you've been out there since 99, uh, roughly, right? And then I thought, what's the quick thing that really people want to know, right? Snow Craig White. Um, now he's wealth, I think personal wealth is somewhere on the circle 1.5 billion, right? But you kind of fluctuate that every and again, and not all that's liquid cash, right? He's not sitting with 1.5 billion in, in money, um, sitting in a bank account somewhere. So what do people really want to know? Does he have funds? Absolutely. Are they legitimate? Yes. And that's all fairly traceable and that's all sitting on a um, globally recognised stock exchange uh, in Hong Kong, which is well respected. And do they have a clear business that is, you know, something you can look up? Yeah, go and have a look at ESR, whatever, you know. Um, the, the website might be down because it's full of Celtic bloggers trying to get access to the financial records, I, I would suspect, um, along with Freedom of Information Acts and God knows what else they want to come up um, nice to see that uh, Can You See The Rangers Coming chat has severely disappeared over the last couple of days, but maybe that's one for one for them. Um, yeah, he's legitimate. And what's really interesting, I think this is the better story, um, although I'd have to take any questions on it, but legitimate cash and all that kind of good stuff, right? And he's obviously interested in the club. The, the interesting thing for me was we're in the middle of a global pandemic. Mm-hmm. Now, this investment in the tranche of uh, uh, share sales um, transfer of share sales, if you like, um, was supposed to happen a couple of months ago. I think it was March when they first kind of broke cover, if you like. And then it get held over. Uh, and we're not talking a small amount of money. But what you're saying is you've cycled through the worst part of a global pandemic and that person has then rocked up with a big fat check. If you need anything else to show that somebody is legitimate and really interested, uh, then you're not looking in the right places because someone's turned right up and said, no, 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 I'm still happy to go in for it. And this is the first part of the investment. There will be more. So, yeah, there we are. It's not uh, it's not some guy sitting uh, with a shell company in the Caymans um, saying, I can send you two bob. Um, put it towards Brandon Barker's haircut. Um, it's somebody with a... <laughs> I'm going to keep stabbing at it, Willie. It's, it no matter how much you shake your head, buddy. Um, it's, uh, yeah, so, so that's the... I think that's really the important thing that I would imagine most... Rangers fans, certainly someone like me, always looks out first when money's mentioned about our club, right? Which is, we're still a wee bit bummed, even though we've got some really good governance and Dave Kingley, that really good plan, you've got George Latham, you've got Dougie Parkner, the club is governed really, really well, right? Better than a lot of other clubs that hold themselves up in Scotland. The world's legitimate, it's easily traceable, there's more to come, and it's, I think, the last part of that before I, before I stop would be, it's a really interesting part of the model as well, which is, it's, it's so far removed from the sugar daddy model mm-hmm. that we've cycled through as a club and other clubs have done it as well. But it's also, you know, you've got things like Club 1872 and all that, and they're really, really good, really positive. What you want from a financial perspective is you want a fair amount of shareholders that show that the weight of risk is dispersed across different people without having a million shareholders because then you don't get anything bloody done, right? 
investment has been identified by people like Stuart Gibson, uh, Julian Wohler, people like that, top tier investors with the capability and the money. The club has done their due diligence, much like they would do with a player. They've decided that person is the right person for the board. That person and their team have decided that the club is the right investment vehicle and that they can put money into it and it'll be governed correctly. That shows you that we have transferred, much like the team, from something that needed intensive care as a business model to something that is now a really attractive model and business to professional investors. Once you get there, you've satisfied a lot of what the market is looking for. So any scare stories you see about Rangers finances, put them to bed. It's as simple as that. We are governed extremely, extremely well. Well, absolutely. And the reason I wanted you to explain that a wee bit was because, like you said, Jordan, that Rangers fans hear investment and they think, right, well, where's it coming from and who is it? But listen, we'll come back to that because, like you say, there's going to be future investment that you think might happen. So we'll come back and cover that when it happens. Um, just before we finish, Scott, we are playing in the Europa League on Thursday, which I completely forgot all about and didn't do any notes on. So, <laughs> but, but listen, before the Galatasaray game, we were all saying, look, if we don't go through, listen, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. We weren't really that bored. Now that we are through and we're in the group stages, I really want us to qualify. I really want us to go far in Europe. And I know there's a lot of Rangers fans who will say, well, if we don't make it out of the groups, it doesn't matter because all that matters is the league. But once you get into these kind of situations, you want to go as far as you can. Yeah, I mean, I think you're absolutely right. We were... Um, we, we said at the time, if we were to qualify from the the, Cal- the Galatasaray game, there would be no one who was looking at the the draw who would fancy Rangers from pot three. And mm-hmm. I think we all agree with that. Um, I'm delighted that we, we, we got through. And I think the group has been relatively favourable for us as well. I, I think we can qualify as winners from the group. To be perfectly honest with you, I, I genuinely do. I, I, and I don't know if that's maybe overconfidence over what we've seen at the weekend or um, I, I just think we, we, we've we started the, the season really well. Um, we, we've done the Livingston draw and the Hibs draw to death. We don't need to cover that again. However, I, I, I do think that the season's went well so far. The the Europa League group draw is, is in our favour. Um, and I think we can travel to Belgium with a decent degree of confidence on Thursday. I, I, I've taken some notes about how their season started. So they're nine games in, they're sitting fourth in the league just now. Um, the last five games has been a bit of a, a mixed bag with a couple of draws, a couple of wins, and they, they lost as well in there. Um, their manager is a guy called Philippe Montanier. What's his who, name? Philippe Montanier. Oh, I heard there was Tony Montana. That's all I heard. So, but he's he's actually, and I didn't realise this, but he's he'll be a bit aware of how the 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 British play their football. He had a spell managing Nottingham Forest in 2016 or something like that. I think it was. He's a Frenchman, so he'll 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 have an idea about how the Brits play their football, and he'll certainly know um, just how passionate. Um, Rangers are and, and what they'll bring to to the party on um, on Thursday night. We should go over there on Thursday night and and beat Standard Liège. I'll say that right now. I, I don't think we should hold any fear at all over the trip to Belgium on Thursday. I would fully expect Rangers to go there and win on Thursday. Are you as confident, Molly, as what Scott is? 
had a little bit of a look at their record last year in Europe and they're actually some pretty good results, to be honest. So in a 50-51, they beat Krasnodar at home, they beat Sevilla, they ended up winning the Europa League last year, they beat them one nothing. They beat Victoria Guimaraes, Portuguese team, and they beat Eintracht Frankfurt for Germany. And they drew 2-2 with Arsenal. So that's like five of the last six home games in Europe. So they're clearly quite a good home team. Away from home, results not so good. So it might be one of those games where maybe we're going to be a bit overconfident think we're going to win the game. I think as long as we take something from the match, I think it's a good start. You know, a point would be fine if we get the three points, terrific. But I think they're probably a slightly better team than maybe what some are giving them credit for. Because anybody that can beat Krasnodar, Sevilla, Victoria Gamares, and Eintracht Frankfurt, it would suggest they've got enough quality to hurt teams and that we need to be aware of you know, the threats that they do have. But that's not to down talk you know, the quality that we've got and the players that can hurt them. But yeah, you know, we'll go with a lot of confidence, but we should also be aware that they're a good quality team. I just think it's great that you guys have done your research without me having to tell you to do it. You know, Willie brings up a really good point. And I think one thing that we, as as Ranger supporters, have to start doing, and I think it's something that we've almost became a wee bit used to since 2012, and I hate going back to that sort of period of time, we we fail to talk up how good we are. Mm. So we don't say how good... um, Rangers have been or how good our last game was we're too busy referring to the narrative that they've done this and they've done that it's all about us Thursday will be all about what we go and do it won't be about how necessarily how good Standard Liège are at home Willie I appreciate your your records there and you're absolutely right they'll, they'll, they'll say what they say but Thursday should all be about what we go and do in Belgium as opposed to what they can offer to us we should go there we should look to win the game and we should come back we had steady three points and look ahead to the game on Sunday. And like Scott says there, Tommy, if anything, we're actually set up to be a European team. We actually seem to do better against the so-called better teams. Right, well, you win the cliche award for this evening. Thank uh, you. With, with that one, right? I am struggling this evening, I'm not going to lie. Some, somewhere in a, in a French garage, uh, Paul Le Guin just looked around really quickly. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> When you said that, um, but you know, in terms of standard Liège and all that, I'm not going to, you know, really good Belgian team. I'm not going to waffle on anybody. No, fair <laughs> enough. Um, I, I, all the way you guys were speaking about that, I was determined to get Belgian waffles in this, oh, right? Um, so yeah, and don't edit that out, no matter what. Keep that. <laughs> this is why I will not be appearing next week. I've been read. I've been sendied by the boys. Um, no, I, I think I probably fall into. Similar camp. I, well, I fall in between the two stools of the of the gentleman who we were speaking a moment ago, um, which is I absolutely agree. You know, it's all about it's all about the Rangers, um, and we should absolutely be confident. That said, Standard Liège aren't a bad outfit. You know, um, I think Willie rattled off some of the some of the European results. Scott had rattled off some of the domestic stuff there. I think they played nine. They're sitting fourth, but actually they're a point off the top. Uh, in terms of the league as well, so fourth is maybe a bit of a camouflage thing. Um, do I believe Rangers have got the ability to cause them trouble and win the game? Absolutely, Scott, Scott is right with that. Absolutely, one hundred percent. But Williams also right as well that Stanley is not a bad team, and you know, there's challenges there. That's the whole point of European competition. I'd probably feel a bit more confident, or rather, expect us to win it if it was at home. Going away from from home in Europe is always relatively difficult. 
that said, again, I'm trying to play both camps here, I suppose. Uh, Get off the fence. No, 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 I will land on one, which is I, I think Rangers will go there and, and will beat them, in all honesty. You know, you know me, I'll always take a position rightly or wrongly on something, Martin. That's uh, the whole point of doing this type of thing, isn't it? But it'll be a tough game. I don't expect Stan Lees to be any sort of uh, pushover in that. I mean, I think it'll be really tough. You know, we, we've seen lots of tough games in terms of Europe. You know, young boys away. Um, I was going to say it for there, but maybe take that one out of the out of the equation. You know, we've went to Porto, Villarreal, um, uh, Legia Warsaw. I think Lech Poznan will be a really difficult away game. Um, it might actually be the most difficult away game in the group, actually, in my opinion. Um, I think Benfica will be a slightly different challenge. But, yeah, so that, that's it to wrap up. You know, you need to be cognizant of the fact that any of these European teams are saying the same things that we're saying, which is, no, it's all about it's all about standard Liège. Who should we fear? We don't need to fear anybody. We can perform really well at home. Look at our records, right? And they're absolutely legitimate to say that. There's nothing wrong with also being legitimately saying the Rangers have got really good away record in Europe under Steven Gerrard. Get a good European record, full stop. We can go there and be confident, not overconfident. Play our game and we might very well come out with something. If we came away with a draw, I'd probably be quite happy in all honesty, right? Depending on how the game goes because um, you want to get something on your first day. But aye, we don't have anything to fear. Just be realistic that there's some tough games in there. Um, do I think we can win the group, though? Hi, I do, actually, as a matter of fact. Um, I think Lex Poznan will be the, will be the dark horse. He's not standard age, actually. All right, then, well, Scott, give me a prediction. 2 nothing Rangers. Wally? 2-1 Rangers. Thomas? 1 each. Right, no worries. Right, gents, really quickly look up your fantasy football scores for me. And while you are doing that... For all the listeners and watchers, in the coming weeks, we're going to be taking a f- bit more of an interest in the Rangers being the Rangers youth teams now that William Urban is a full-time member of the This Is Ibrooks family. We were going to do it this week, but Tommy's just spoke for far too long, so we do not we just do not have the time. Okay, well, my apologies for that, but also looking forward to that, Willie. That'll be a really interesting addition, by the way. It should be really Absolutely, good. 100%. So we are going to finish on the This Is Ibrox Fantasy Football Scotland League because we haven't looked at it in a few weeks. Actually, I was taking my time. I thought I'd deleted the app. It was that bad. <laughs> I've, just, I've just found it on my phone. I wish I did. <laughs> right, well, Scott, where do you sit? In what league? I'm, I'm in quite a few public leagues. And the, Each this one is, is probably shiter than the last one, to be fair. But um, 1,199. That's actually really terrible. <laughs> Maybe I've got David Turnbull in there. I love so. it. I love it when you go, Scott, because it makes me feel better about myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, mate, where are you sitting? Well, I've moved up quite a few spots because I've got Connor Golson and he's my captain. So, oh, oh, great shout! Well, where shout. are you? Points, the points were just rolling up there, guys. Rolling. <laughs> um, I think I'm. I think the last time I think it was like five hundred and something. I was at. So I'm getting there too, but if you'll get an earth. Six corner goals and hat tricks, and I'll be up in the top hundred. <laughs> Thomas, I am sitting at um, one thousand one hundred and two. Ah, you lose your balance, Scott. Well, as soon as I said that on my screen here with the four of the four of the faces, are I just I, I delivered it and looked at Scott. And I'm thinking, well, I'm, <laughs> that's, I'm looking down on you, mate. Don't rub it in. Well, if there's any consolation, gents, I'm sitting in 232. Oh, that's good. That's really yeah. good. Well done. Well done, buddy. And I should just say that we're top three. In third place, we've got Andrew Eady, 
with a fantastic name, gentlemen, FC Barcelona. Oh, aye. That's oh. fantastic, isn't it? Yeah. In second place, we've got Kenny Gardner. And in first place, we've got Murdo McDonald still with 694 points. Am I right in thinking that, uh, that the bold Murdo has led from the start? I think so, pretty much. Fantastic performance. Congratulations to, to Murdo. Yeah. Kudos. Kudos. Not jealous in the slightest. Oh, Ladies and gentlemen, it has been a pleasure this week. I must apologise. I have been extremely slow this week. I think I'm still celebrating from the old Forum game. As ever, gents, Scott, Wally and Tommy, it has been a pleasure. Thank you to everybody watching, everybody listening. And we shall speak to you next week.